Welcome to the Future of Health Coaching. Uh, I'm Reggie Mara, and I'm here with my colleague and partner, uh, Dr. Joel Kreisberg. And we're going to speak about, quite frankly, what the future of health coaching uh, may be from our perspective. Uh, we've been working together for, uh, we're in our fifth year working together um, through Teleosis Institute, uh, where we developed a, a process or a methodology called narrative health coaching. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing Joel th throughout the next 45 minutes or an hour. And he brings um, his background as an integrated physician you know, and uh, background in homeopathy, chiropractic. And we also share a lineage of uh, integral coaching uh, through Integral Coaching Canada. So um, we're just going to you know, speak to each other about what we've learned and uh, effectively kind of answer the question, you know, why bother with health coaching? You know, what, what is it about? And and uh, you know where is it going, or where might it be going? So, Joel, it's good to see you. Thank you, Reggie. Nice yeah. to be back on this platform. Yeah. And so, just just to to get started, um, and it's kind of a flip way to pose the question, but um, why bother? What, what's the big deal with health coaching? Because it's there are some changes, especially in the last you know five to seven years, some significant changes there. Well, you know, health coaching, it, I think it's a really important question because health coaching is a powerful tool for healing. Simply put, it's a powerful tool for healing. And it's interesting because it's, it's on the one hand, it's obvious. And on the other hand, because of the way we learn and society kind of uh, takes new information in, it's very overlooked. And so, you know, if we look at, say, uh, American Journal of Lifestyle Medicine, 2000, was it 17 now? The Swarzo's kind of summary, there is 300 studies that show that health coaching is an effective tool for healing in the eight major lifestyle categories. So it's pretty impressive stuff. And what people are doing with the health coaching is exercising, eating differently, learning how to become more resilient around stress, sleeping better. But it's not, it's the coaching is how do you get people to do it? How do you get people to keep doing it? How do you get people to fall in love with healing behaviors? Things that I do and you do that cause me to feel healthy and allow you know challenges to remove and that's the health coaching part and uh you know it's growing incredibly rapidly and at the same time it's still not really uh fully noticed by the the, 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 the dominant healthcare paradigm yeah so so i want to as you finish that sentence um I, I had a question coming around which i'm going to ask but i want to come back to your sense of why it's not fully noticed by the conventional or mainstream healthcare. But, but I wanna go someplace else first because something you said right before that, you spoke about health coaching um, in many iterations, talks about how to get people to, to do things differently to, in terms of weight or exercise or diet. And then you spoke about what the coaching really does at its best is, is the, the motivation to do that, kind of an interior change. Yeah. And so yeah. language that we've used in our work together is the difference between behavioral change or coaching and developmental change or coaching. Yeah. Well, it's actually, you know, yeah. no, no, it's interesting because I, I'm actually going to introduce three kind of concepts. I think when you look at health coaching as it's evolved in the, let's say the last 10 years, it's less than 10 years old, health coaching. I mean, coaching is 40 years old or thousands of years old, but the modern notion is 40 years old. Uh, health coaching is more like 10 years old. And, and, and the, a lot of the coaching literature is distinguishing from the medical method, which is often described as expert model, right? Which is expert has the goods and delivers it to the patient, you know, and with the, uh, it, often with the uh, assumption that information is king. Yeah, you know, if you give someone the information on what it's like to eat well, they might eat well. Or if you give someone the information on what their lungs are going to look like if they keep smoking two packs of cigarettes, they're going to stop smoking cigarettes. Those are positive and negative images. That's going to that's going to 
make something happen. The data we know does not support much happening from that. And uh, we can all, if you want, if you're watching this, stop and think about the last time somebody gave you something at a in a, in a health-related situation, and that you went and did it, and you kept doing it. Right? It's not that common. So that's an expert paradigm. The health coaching paradigm that's most often used, we like to use. You just gave the word behavioral change, and behavioral change, which is what this a lot of health coaches are doing, which is very powerful, is what can I do to help you be accountable to what you say you're going to do? Hmm. How can I help you do it a little better, a little bit more consistently, a little bit more charge? Uh, actually, I go to the gym. I, I think that this is what uh, it's not really coaching, but personal trainers do for people. And it's very effective not on everybody, but it works. And so you're seeing in the healthcare industry, uh, hospital systems primarily hiring health coaches to bring a lot of personal contact to individuals with usually categories of illness like diabetes or heart disease or obesity and having a coach who's there saying, well, what are you gonna do this week? And then a week later say, how'd it go? And what got in the way? And what could you do differently? And how would you make it work better next time? behavioral, they, a lot of data shows that works really, really super well. Okay, so that's behavioral health coaching, you gave that term. What we tried to do or have done, you and I with narrative health coaching, is to try and bring that extrinsic motivation, meaning I need the coach to remind me or to help me stay going <laughs> to how do I build that muscle in myself, right? How do I learn how to learn? It's not here's fish, here's how to fish and realize that if I learn how to fish, I can keep learning how to take care of my health because health is evolving all the time, right? It's not just a, here's one trick. It's going to work for everything. I have to keep learning. And that's where we use the term and we like to intrinsic motivation but that's really why we really like to get into story, right? What is the emotional mindset that goes along with the behavior? Can I start to rewrite that story? And that's what we do in narrative health coaching. So we call it developmental coaching. Yeah. So, so I want to follow up on the story and kind of unfold, you know, four of the principles that, that narrative health coaching um, embodies. But before I do that, I want to go back to the last thing you said um, before this, this most recent question, where you spoke about the, the idea that um, health coaching is still not as widely accepted by mainstream, uh, call it the medical community or the healthcare community, um, as it might be. And what, what's your sense of, of why it hasn't caught on um, in as many places as uh, it, it might have by now? Well, I would say two things. I would say, well, say one is, is the evidence is, is that it's catching on, mm -hmm. right? So you can only change so quickly. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, feminism brought us attention to the imbalance in the workplace. And yeah, there are glass ceilings, but we had a woman run for president, right? You know, and it, like we're moving, right? Mm -hmm. There is change. So, so I would say um, the, the critique is, is that, the two main reasons is, is that we still have a fundamentally fundamental bias, which is, I would, I would say, a structural authority, which is those in the know, that method must be the best one, hmm. right? And it's a little bit of an old habit. It's one of the reasons why we still have kings in the world, even though a lot of countries don't have kings anymore. It also is one of the reasons why lots of governments are electing very... Um, uh, conservative right-wing leaders. We have a way of going back mm -hmm. and holding on. So that expert model goes very slowly, right? And then the, the secondary version of it is the, is the, um, is the strange uh, economics of healthcare economics, which favors, is in, unfortunately we've incentivized that expert system. And uh, the cost benefit of, uh, of this low-tech health coaching is uh, is slow to to make its way into the system, but it's because it's so economically sound, it's going to keep growing rapidly. And I would I would you know I it, we change slowly. It's going to still take another twenty or thirty years 
but um, it's definitely going to continue to expand into the health care sector. Yeah, great. So it's, it's interesting that idea that we change slowly in terms of the infrastructure, the, the, the cultural worldview of the efficacy of, of health coaching um, is part of what we're, uh, the issue that coaching actually addresses because people are less or more likely to change more quickly with a competent health coach than they would on their own. So the, there's a reflection of the individual and the collective there as well. Um, right. So, 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 so let's just jump in now to the idea of narrative health coaching. There are four principles that we are, we've identified as, as underlying components there. And I'll just ask you to kind of run through those one at a time. The first one, we, we refer to it as relationships engaged. What's the significance of that? Well, it's interesting. We, we didn't always start with relationships engaged because relationships is, is, you know, is, relationships is the fundamental container of the coaching process. So, in, in, you know, health coaching in general shifts from a doctor-patient uh, relationship to a client or a relationship-centered structure where it's a, it's a coach and a client and we're in this together and how we relate to one another and how do we serve to benefit the relationships is powerful, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, contrast that back to the expert who gives you the information, the relationship tries to recognize your strengths and weaknesses, what you need, what you don't need, and then offers opportunities for you to relate to the things that are naturally going to cause the biggest bang in a way, the biggest bang for the buck. So uh, we like to start with relationships because it really is the foundation for how to make change happen. The more I can relate to someone, the better I'm able to step in their shoes and understand what their experiences, the more I can make sure that what I'm offering is in that sort of sweet spot of, well, can this person really make that change? The more we can support that sort of love of learning that will happen through relating. Yeah, and what I, what I really love about the idea of relationships engage as, as you unpacked it there, it's a great introduction to the next of the, the four principles, which is stories matter because we have a relationship with our stories and we have a relationship with our food, with how we eat, with our habits and all of that. But so relationships engaged leads us now to how do we relate or hold, relate to or hold our story or our stories. Well, I like that connection because if you're going to ask someone to get into story and we'll define story in a second, then you better have a relationship that's ready for it. Right. Right. So if I have a quality of safety and intimacy, right, then the person's more likely to go to story if I acquire. Okay. So, yeah, we needed to start with, uh, you know, you got to turn the oven on. You got to put the ingredients in before you start to bake. Right. You know, in that particular way. Um, uh, Stories matter is, is, you know, is our language. I mean, it's simple. It it stands alone. But, you know, to, to put it in the contrast to behavioral, right, often people have behaviors that they're trying to change, you know, they're trying to improve upon, you know, I mean, you could say that losing weight, it's just a matter of eating more, sorry, eating less and exercising more. <laughs> and the story is, is that every behavior has within it or as part of it or simultaneously going on a story. There's something we tell ourselves. There's an interior need. There's a mindset that goes with that behavior, right? So uh, I, can, I, I love using food examples. I just did my trip through the East Coast. And my trip through the East Coast is often rewarding myself with, you know, foods from my past, Right, you know, comfort foods is what I call them, and that's that's the story. And actually, uh, I, I guess I'm going to confess online. I went to Junior's and I had a piece of Junior's cheesecake with my family. My family's all passed away, but it was this remarkable, like you know, what I'm going to do this, and I'm going to really. This is what my family did together, mm-hmm. right? And so there was a lovely story that went with the food, right? And I allowed mm-hmm. myself that. Yeah. And so that's a story. So, but if I want to stop eating so much cheesecake, because I'm eating too much, which I don't, because I don't, that, that was my, 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 my piece, my five-year piece, strawberry <laughs> on top. Um, 
Um, then I need to say, well, what story is important here? Well, the story is, is, do I miss my family? Where is my family? Who's my family, right? And how can I write a story that may help me get that underlying need met, which is yeah. to feel connected? Yeah. And so in that case, it would have been, well, call up my nephews or my, you know, see if there's someone around to go do the same thing with and not need to eat the food, yeah. so to speak. So we shift to stories matter because then we're working with the change there. And now back to your earlier language. we That's why we're not trying to change the behavior. We're trying to do developmental work, which we're realizing those stories engage all sorts of different aspects of our being. Name a few, emotional is a big one, but there's somatic body, there is interpersonal in this story of my family. So there's emotional, there's an interpersonal, right? And so then I can begin to sort of use more of me. So I also like to think of a developmental as a, as a, as a truly holistic approach. Because yeah. I'm not focusing on behaviors, I'm focusing on the whole person, including their story. Yeah. Yeah, so great. So and that, that's a, a wonderful lead-in to the, to the third of the principles, because as I or you or anyone becomes aware of his or her story or stories, because we have a lot of stories um, tied to different aspects of our lives, and we begin to bring them into consciousness and begin to work on the story in, our, in a way that helps us, as opposed to having the story work on us invisibly, um, we begin to learn about ourselves, learn more about ourselves, and that leads to the third principle of narrative health coaching, which, which is that, and this is not new to us, um, but learning transforms. True learning really does transform. Right. And this is where, okay, so, you know, we're both educators. We've both been classroom educators for since the, you know, as, as I joke, since 1492. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, it really is, is that why, I mean, there was this wake-up call that happened. It's like, why ignore learning methodology? I mean, there's this whole science of pedagogy that says if you actually can empower your students, if you can give them more autonomy, more sense of mastery, more interconnection with each other, then they're going to succeed, right? And so how do we do that? And then, you know, there's a variety of different languages. We like the language of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of cycles of learning. You know, mm -hmm. it's a particularly, I got it from a, a, a learning company called Lectica, but they, they don't really own it. It's it's description of this idea of having clear intentions mm -hmm. set, right? So we got to be really clear on what we want to see happen, right? We know it works in business. It needs to work in, in whole. And that's actually, that setting intention is a really key moment in, in, in narrative health coaching because... Often we, by default, use that set as the reason why the person came in, mm. right? That's the chief complaint. And what we know from coaching is, is that if we can access people, the, an individual's real desires, what they really want to have happen in their life, that is a much deeper motivation, motivator. So that stories matter allow us to say, oh, what's really important here, mm -hmm. right, is that you really want to feel like you can be uh, competing with people your age on the tennis courts because you derive a real satisfaction in being able to play hard, mm -hmm. right? And so that shoulder thing or that liver thing, yeah, we want to heal that, but we want to heal that so you can be more able to compete with, with colleagues and feel like you're a member of the group. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. That's a set, right? So that's the beginning of a transformative learning. We got a set, but that's a narrative set, and that's why developmental is so, to me, so powerful. That set, and that's also using coaching at its best. Right? Yeah. Really, yeah, we're going to say about that. Yeah. No, so, no, I was just going to, because you mentioned um, cycle, you know, learning cycles or cycles of learning. Um, you want to say something more about that now or wait to get through these principles and come no, back? No, no, no. I want to keep going. I just, I, I'm going to do it. So that's the set in it. And so once I have this deep set, which coaching facilitated, then we start to explore what you need to have happen, right? So now go find out, you know, seek the, the types of skills we have 
right? And then apply them. And so this isn't a key thing about coaching. And once again, this is true both with behavioral and developmental. They're just different. It's like, okay, what you take the coaching home with you. What are you gonna do without the coach? Yep. That's the application. Yeah. So, but in, a, in, a, in developmental narrative health coaching, what we want you to do is not get better at exercising. We want you to get better at learning, right? Mm -hmm. So the application is how am I learning to learn? How am I learning new skills? And then I, part of that is to assess, right? And then, and so then I build this part in myself that takes my short-term experiences and starts to add it to my story, my narrative experience. Oh, wow. You know, if I, you know, slow down and go to the gym more regularly, I start to notice that I have more confidence and that's really interesting. And so I assess and then I come back and I reset. And that's what the coach, the coach allows you to assess and reset and set again. And then the client basically seeks, applies and, assesses so it's a learning cycle we'd show you a graph but now i just take the class and you can see the graph but learning transforms so when you get good at that you don't need the coach as much well yeah i mean ideally i mean for, for competent coaches with integrity i always tell my clients that you know planned obsolescence is built into the coaching program um you don't want to i don't want you to depend on me you know, for any period of time beyond which, you know, after we, after we um, accomplish what we set out to do together. Right. Good. And this is really useful. And the difference is I'm using the three models of healthcare. In the expert model, the, the, once you don't feel like anything's wrong, you're done. Right. In the behavioral model, once you've like actually, you know, gone back on the court or run the marathon or lost the 20 pounds, you're done. And in narrative health coaching, once you've internalized what it takes to solve this problem, you now have the skill that you can use it on any problem that arises, right. right? And then the next time you find yourself not solving a problem, you know to call another coach, right? Mm -hmm. Not when you change to sports, right? right. It really is. So it's your, you, you've mastered a way different skill. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I would put an asterisk next to calling another coach and so you could actually call the same coach back if you enjoy. Oh, thank you. That's what I mean. You call the coach back. You return. Right. Thank you. That's actually what I meant. Yeah. I know. I know. It's good. So, so, so we have this idea that I think it's, thank you for that. It's really clear that the idea of, you know, as we learn, we actually transform, you know, true deep learning, not just acquiring knowledge, but true deep learning actually transforms us. Um, it allows us to grow. And the, the fourth of the four, Narrative, narrative health coaching principles is in fact that you know we know we've seen this happen that growth heals right well and so this is where you know this is kind of like i've been an integrative physician for 30 years right um you know i've you you know gone through several models right so you know like a, a chiropractic model is is that if you can restore structural integrity of the central nervous system you'll heal because the central nervous system through the spine gets out of whack and that out of whack leads to, to neurological dysfunction. And if you restore it, it's like, wow, that's, that's a, it's a model that works. Okay. Uh, we know that, you know, setting a bone is a model that works. You put it in the right position, the bone heals, right? We don't really quite know why. I mean, we know what cells do when you cut yourself, your body like heals. We know in, 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 in psychotherapy, that when people talk about their experience, they begin to change their relationship to it, mm -hmm. right? And so they make room for some of the incongruencies of experience. They bring to light things that they weren't necessarily aware of. They can make more sense of the world, yeah. right, in such a way. So, so we borrow a little bit from that in the sense that, you know, the health coaching is asking someone to become more aware of their experience but distinguishing it from psychotherapy it's less about what happened in the past and more about how you can choose to write or create or live a story that will give you healthier outcomes right and as you choose that story it just so happens that oftentimes symptoms 
are they, they I, would, I was gonna say they're abandoned. <laughs> they sort of seem to go away. Right, you know, it, you know, it very much so. It's like a really interesting thing, and so it's sort of, it's an interesting. It's a little bit like Aikido. It's like rather than meeting a punch head on with a drug or a surgery, it's like, well, if we find out that that punch really is coming out of a need to compete with people my age on the court, and we begin to help you see how you can compete and learn how to compete, then it's interesting. You start to heal. And you physically are more able to do the thing that you set out to do without setting your intentions on what type of exercise do you need to do to get that shoulder in line, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a little bit more of an Aikido move. So it turns out that we, I call that growth heals. When I'm growing, it seems to have this impact of healing a bunch of things in my life. And so, so that's, that was, a, I would say I'm biased, but that was a really a, you know, a seamless uh, you know, move from relationships engaged to stories matter to learning transforms to growth heals. Again, um, for those of you who are, are new to what we're speaking about, the, those are the, the, the principles of, of narrative health coaching. Um, what I'd like to do now is get go a little bit more deeply into that idea of, um, and it's primarily tied in with the developmental aspect of the developmental behavioral um, continuum. But the idea of the interiors for change, an interior change or intrinsic change, um, you know, what is it that we're really speaking about there? And it may sound obvious to ask the question, but what's the significance of the idea of interior change? Well, you know, I think that, I think that, well, that's why it's interesting the sequence ended up being that wasn't the first order of the sequence, remember, in relationships engaged, we changed that. I think there's something about the sequence, and this is where it's coaching, right? It really is coaching. It's like coaching is one of the few interpersonal dialogical activities that really offers anyone, but we'll call the client, an opportunity to go deeply into self. Right? And to, 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 to shine a light on me that I may have some awareness on, but the coach helps me really, you know, look in the caves or look in the attics and see what's there mm -hmm. and then utilize that stuff, right, in some way, right? And so if I, I want to make sure I don't lose the question, the interiors is the attic and the cave and all that other stuff. It's kind of like rather than just simply, um, taking what's for granted and saying, how can we improve upon this, which is what behavioral does. We're saying, let's look at the system of the person. The person's not a, just a bunch of behaviors. They're a whole system. And see while we're there, where the passions are, where the strengths are, where there are areas that, you know, if you just put a, did a little bit of work in this particular spot, it would go a really long way with this particular challenge, right? You know, so, so the coach has to bring a lot of expertise in recognizing how uh, one can make those changes happen, right? So it really is a lifelong learner for the coach. I was just listening to, to uh, oh, Peter Salovey sort of summarize emotional intelligence in three ways. And I hope I don't forget it right in the middle of three ways. Being able to recognize feelings, being able to understand them, right? And then being able to, to sort of healthily action upon those particular feelings, right? As the simplest, that's very simple version of emotional intelligence, right? But knowing that particular thing may mean the difference in you being able to help someone where well, you, you get your feeling just fine, but you don't know how to act upon them, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, you just need to learn how to get in touch with them. Or you need to recognize them in other people, right? Because you, you have them, but you're not using that on other people. Those are three completely different interventions. Yeah. So, so that, that actually re reminds me of, and it's not the same thing, but often, you know, when, when we um, teach narrative health coaching, you know, we speak about uh, Antonovsky's sense of coherence. And again, not, not because there were three elements there, but there, were, there, was, a, there was a certain par parallel to what you just said about the emotional intelligence and what Antonovsky said about um, being able to 
to navigate very stressful situations. Right. Well, that's another. So that's another tool. So in narrative health coaching, we love salutogenesis. That's the fancy word, and a sense of coherence, which says that as I, if the more I understand of the circumstances and that I'm in, the more I can manage it. And the more meaningful it is for me, and we always loved it because meaningful is where the narrative part comes in, in a lot. Like if it's meaningful, I'm more motivated. But over time, we've because we've applied this rubric, um, we also have learned that understanding is a really powerful tool. That whole set uh, is uh, like as I explore story, people are changing their understanding right in front of ourselves. And from there, when I do cycles of learning, learning transforms, manageability starts to change really rapidly, too. Manageability is based on my story frame. If I walk around not having enough, then I always feel like I don't have enough. But if I go, well, actually, that's one of my stories. You can change the story. So manageability changes. So, but we know that Antonovsky's research suggests that the, the more I believe that I can the more I understand, the more I feel I can manage, and the more meaningful it is, the more my health outcomes are greatly improved. I live mm-hmm. a long time, I, I recover quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what we've done so far is speak about the, 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 the four principles, the difference between developmental and behavioral approaches, the need for interior change, the cycles of learning. But if, if there's somebody who listens to this, who has never experienced coaching, and who has some issue that that their primary care physician or even their integrative physician or uh, alternative specialist hasn't been able to resolve, um, what would you say? What would what what might coaching bring that person? You know, so they they've heard the, the principles and the tools yeah. and skills. Yeah. Right. Why why should I come to a health coach? Right. Well, so that's this is actually a you know. This it's a great question because it's like okay so what we're describing is health coaching as a healing modality, right? It doesn't replace other healing modalities, but it is a specific healing modality. It has signposted structures, and uh, we pointed out some of the structures. It would be good to sort of point out some more of the structures because many people listening to this are health coaches and they want to recognize some of the structures. So an example is is setting clear intentions. Right. So that I mean that we call it a healing topic. So in our particular program, we actually identify at the end of the first session. If you go to a a narrative health coach, you'll the end walk away with a a healing topic. Healing topic is the set. It's in in, in coaching language. It's a long term goal. But for a client who's gone to see uh, a doctor, an acupuncturist, so on and so forth, that has we've never done that in a visit before. The goal was always assumed to be getting rid of the things I came in with, mm-hmm. right? There was never really an articulation of the goal and have that goal be a positive intention, something that I can invest in that's not just about getting rid of something, <laughs> right? And, and, then, and then, of course, I love it. Students always say, well, what about the getting rid of it? Where does that come in? And I say, this is where you have to trust that if you spend your time on your intentions, the getting rid of it will happen as well. Right. That's the growth heals at the end of the story. So that's the first thing that you'll notice is very different is that you'll, you'll, set, you'll get a healing topic. Second thing that you'll really notice is, is that rather than just being given things to do, we'll, we identify what we call learning objectives. We say, well, in order to achieve this topic, you're going to need to learn some things. Right. So we call learning objectives. We often use three. We often have a language to be more able to, you know, follow through on my commitments or to be more able to, you know, recognize when I'm full. Giving examples of learning objectives. And from there, those learning objectives will actually in the second visit, you'll get a healing plan. Right, a healing plan is the topic and the learning objectives. Like, here's what we want to see happen. And if you do these things by the end, you won't need me because you're doing these things. And then you'll be back to tennis, right? to use that metaphor. How do we do that? Right. And right, that's, that was your question. How do we that do that? The next question. Here it is. <laughs> and we do that. We call them growth practices. Right. 
And, uh, you know, there's two types of growth practices and, you know, we call it foundation and awareness and foundation practice in a way is what you is, is, is saying that the basic behavioral coaching uh, practices are, are necessary to this too. We're transcending and including uh, behavioral coaching. So you need to do basic health behaviors. So oftentimes foundation practices look like exercise more, or eat differently or get to bed on time or turn your screen off an hour before you go to bed. Got any favorite uh, foundation practices that you can think of? I mean, those are, those, those are good. I mean, one that I've used is just put the, you know, when you turn your phone off, put it in another room at night. Don't have it near your bed, something like that. Exactly. And then we're kind of picking on the tech, tech stuff here. But. Well, no, but so what's useful about that is this is where a health coach still needs health literacy. You give a good example of that because you still need to be able to help people recognize that their balance of fats and, you know, and proteins or their basic behaviors on how to get to sleep at night or when exercise still come in handy, right? You without that. And that's one of the measures that we do in our assessment tool is a health literacy. How literate is the, is the client themselves? So they know all this stuff and they're just not doing it or they really need to be taught, right? right? Different lessons, right? Okay, so that's, that's what we call foundation practices. And so we give those to clients. And if they're successful, the client just sort of incorporates them into their life. Right? And if they're not successful, it's, if they don't do them, then there's an interesting challenge that comes up. That's resistance. And then you have yep. to work with that. Yep. So the other type of practice that we like to give people, we call awareness practice. And you've heard a little bit about that. It's like, if you go back to that stories matter model of I have a behavior, but it has a story or mindset with it then I want to spend time understanding that mindset and working with how I change that mindset. And so you've, you, you, you know, I've said earlier in the conversation, so what I'm trying to do is teach the client how to learn and, and, and how to learn about self is actually to practice mindfulness, to mm -hmm. become aware of how I am in space. There's a whole, you know, mental way that we can become aware of our behaviors as we do them or shortly thereafter you know, to notice when I'm eating too fast or notice when I'm talking too fast or, or uh, notice when I'm, you know, getting to bed too late. And then start to reflect through, and then, you know, you have to take a class to see how these are designed. But the point is you reflect on your experience and we use narrative. So we use writing. We like to get people to write about their experience because we find that when you write about the experience, you can then read about it and you can see yourself in a way that you just can't see if you're just always driving the car, right? Every now and then you got to be the passenger of the car and look at it yourself driving, yeah. right? In that way. Yeah. And when you can do that, and that's what an awareness practice does for you, teaches you how to see that way, then you start to make different changes and you can take that awareness, that learning and apply it to the larger story. I'm not the same person anymore because I kind of get that I, you know, I'm going to use a, an image for me I, that I play with my phone a bit too much while I'm driving. Yeah. Right? So it's like, okay, now I get it. I can choose to commit to a behavior that has a different story to it. Right. And, 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 and what I hope to learn is not just, well, I don't look at my phone when I'm driving, what I'm learning is, oh, that's cool. I just made a really positive change the way I learned. So I could do that in lots of areas of my life. Yeah. Right. And I become a love of learning, you know, learn, a learn, a love of learning person. And so we use practices like that. And that allows you to, so you, you come in and see the coach and you, you know, you're given these extra, you're given this healing plan and an exercise, and then you go home and you do it. And what we're interested in is what are you learning from it? Yep. And then the conversation with the coach is about that and how we can continue to maximize and improve the learning. And honestly, you know, when people do it, I would say most everybody, that's a great term, most everybody does really well. Yeah. You don't necessarily get rid of all their health complaints. But they, they, people get a real sense and ability of how they can impact their health on their own for themselves, which is very powerful work for many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So uh, again, I, most, I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume, I was going to say that most people who might actually uh, view this video have some relationship to health coaching already, otherwise they wouldn't be here, but, but that's a, you know, probably a faulty assumption. Where does health coaching fit in in the bigger picture of the coaching world? Um, well, that, that, that's, I think that's a great question because you're going to get people who are coaches wanting to learn about health coaching. There's different things. I think that, you know, coaching itself is one of those, uh, you know, you know, how long is it going to take for that to become plain and simple? The idea of having someone to work with you to understand yourself better is a powerful tool in all elements of life. Right. And it's, you know, it's slowly working its way into into the mainstream. Um, I think health coaching has a, a, a powerful motivation for growth because the healthcare sector is so large in the United States. Yeah. I mean, right now it's at least one fifth of all dollars spent. Right. Are on, on health care. So therefore, it's got a natural this river is pretty big. Yeah. So if you're going to put your boat on this river. <laughs> You better have a, you know, and so it, it, the boat's getting bigger and bigger because the river's going to, you know, toss it around right. in that way. Um, I, I think that, I mean, that's the, that, I think that's the main piece of it. I, I think one of the challenges is, is that when you're, particularly when you're working with illness, it's not all mental, right? In the sense that sometimes coaching really relies on on really strong beliefs and being willing to, to, to push ourselves beyond our boundaries. Right. And that is great for executive and life coaching. I think it's really powerful. And I think there are, having health literacy is important because there just really are certain kinds of limitations and constrictions that you need to pay attention when you're working with somebody who has diabetes. Right. Sure. And it's not going to just go away because he wants to be, figure out how to you know, eat differently. You have to kind of keep it within its natural boundaries. Hmm. And then the other side of that question is, is just I, I knew there was another piece is that, you know, health, there's the hospital health coaches that you heard me talk about. Right. And then you're also seeing, a, you know, um, wellness programs, you know, especially corporate wellness programs really, you know, embrace health coaching because it's so that's where the cost benefit comes in. It's like, if I can, if I have 500,000 employees, and I can incentivize their behaviors by spending some money on a coach running classes and doing one on ones, why wouldn't I? Hmm. Right, so you're seeing the, the wellness. And then, of course, you have the, you know, primary clinical care. That's what I do where, where, you know, just people who are willing to pay to have, uh, you know, uh, a physician or a health coach work with them it's a it, it, to me it's a it's well worth the money it's not particularly cheap but it's a lot cheaper than regular coaching <laughs> yeah. right in terms of its cost and so it's uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck if you do that so you're seeing uh, integrated physicians not primarily integrated physicians but you're starting to see primary care start to bring health coaching in as well because it is its cost benefit ratio is is the right it's a higher low it's it's very it has a high benefit sure. for the cost yeah and something you said earlier i just wanted to circle back to you you know relatively quickly you mentioned that health coaching is itself a uh, a health care modality but it doesn't replace other modalities can you say a little bit more about what you meant by that well, that's where I've come to the, to the conclusion that, it, you know, you're not practicing medicine when you're doing health coaching, but it's a healing modality is what I would say. Now, you know, that's, so in other words, that's why growth heals is like, it turns out that when you do this stuff, healing occurs. So it has the same ontological outcome as taking a medicine as an analogy, not as a specific, or, you know, going to a therapist, you heal. Therefore, it's a healing technique, okay? Um, but it, you're not delivering it by use. You don't need a medical license because there's not any diagnosis and that you're not treating an illness. You're just using a method for helping people heal, right? And that's why health literacy does make a difference because when you're working with people in this domain, if you aren't at least have some training, on the basics of health literacy, then you're actually, that's where, it, to me, it's a responsible professional relationship. 
Mm -hmm. I don't have to know how to diagnose you, but at least to, at least I need to know the basics of diabetes. Mm -hmm. If you're coming in and you're, you know, you're trying to, to, to lose weight and that relates to your diabetes, I need to have some, that's health literacy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, we're speaking in some very general and very specific ways about, about narrative health coaching, which has been in existence now for going on five years. Um, and we, we've, so we've touched on the principles, relationships engage, stories matter, learning transforms, and growth heals. We've, again, differentiated developmental and behavioral approaches, spoken about, you know, the, that, the, our version of how learning transforms and cycles of learning, of setting, seeking, applying, um, assessing, and resetting. Um, what else would you like to bring to the table in this conversation in terms of how we frame narrative um, health coaching and, and uh, its place? I love that. Actually, th thank you for the question, because I think what came up for me immediately is, 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 is how, much, how, how much joy comes from this practice, right? Mm -hmm. So what I noticed for me is because um, I don't think much about technique, I get to really enjoy the client and helping them relate, engage, have a story, find ways that they can grow and learn. And so it's just so, so as a practitioner, and I, I've said this many times, I love my job, hmm. right? I like the work that I do because it's so engaging in change and making good things happen. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, and rather than banging my head on behaviors that are working and not working and not, I'm not criticizing that, but there is a way that, that, I mean, that's the number one question I get from the coaching industry. Well, what do you do about people who aren't motivated to change? Right. You know, that's the banging your head. And it's like, well, the whole system is what I do about people. You know, it's like, I have very way less of them <laughs> because yeah. of the way we engage the system. Right from the beginning, that it's a, it, it's a delight to, to have it be a practice, right? I guess the other thought, and I just well, I'm going to pause with that, is it doesn't really, uh, it, it is designed definitely, based on the last question, it's a modality that is designed for you to be able to continue to use many of the health techniques that you already do, hmm. right, in the sense that I use it with my homeopathy and you can use it with nutrition. You can use it with acupuncture. You can use it with anything. It's not, it's not like you just like close all your, 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 your systems and do a narrative health coaching. It actually ends up being sort of a, a meta structure yeah. that allows you to use all your tools, but have a new way of relating to your client. Yeah. So for, for the current, practitioners regardless of what their practice happens to be um health coaching is just an, another i don't not just but it's a, it's a skill set that can be integrated into their practice and we have, obviously have a, a bias toward narrative health coaching um uh, but to, to really be able to engage a, a patient or a client beyond my yeah. particular practice as an acupuncturist or a homeopath or a chiropractor I think so. Yeah, you really can. And, and, and then also, if you are practicing behavioral health coaching or nutritional counseling, you know, in that particular way, which actually, you know, nutrition professionals are basically kind of quasi, well, they're, they're, they're relying on what looks a little bit like behavioral change. Mm -hmm. um, this modality really gives you a much more, um, uh, you know, can I say it, a much more enlightened approach. <laughs> Um, or, you know, and what I mean by that is, is it, it, it has more light in it, right? It allows you to sort of see beyond the, you know, the immediate transaction into the, a, a whole fuller person. And that is way more, you, you have to use more of your own skills and you allow the client to use more of their skills, which leads to a much more richly textured, textured interaction. And so therefore, you know, back to my original point where it's just like, you know, it just brings a lot of joy, right, into people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's actually a kind of a wonderful place to begin to bring this to a close. So you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about the joy you have in being with your clients, the joy that this work brings you, and that, in fact, the work itself brings 
has a potential to bring joy into an engaged client's life as well. Yeah, I, actually, it's funny. It's interesting. I had a client uh, last Friday. Yeah, last Friday who has worked in the clinic and she's 20 years into MS. And, you know, we work seven sessions together and, you know, she continues to describe how she had not interacted and come to understand how much control, how much she had, she could relate to, she had so much more control of her life now that we work together, right? Mm -hmm. She had some resolution of symptoms, but she just changed her whole attitude. Right. And so now I'm coming in to see her nine months later or whatever it is. And she's not coming into coaching. She's coming in to 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 be treated. And at the same time, the way she interacts with me, the way we interact together is like it's just it's not. Can can you fix me? Give me my pills. It's I'm getting where I am. Let's talk about what we can do about this. And, you know, she's expecting me not just to, to give her things, but to help her understand herself and give her approaches to, to learn about what's going on. Huh. Right? It's just so it's, it's like a permanent change. And so okay. even though she's came in really struggling with allergies, and really intense thing, it was she was really grateful to be, see me and be there. And I was, you know, really able to be loving and attend her rather than being burdened by, oh, my God, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. It just sort of works that way, and so it makes uh, makes the job quite pleasant. Yeah, so that, that that's a I, I love that that uh, phrase of being loving and attending. So if you're listening to this, and your coach or your healthcare practitioner doesn't seem to um, emit love and attention, perhaps you want to look into. Um, you know, Joel personally, or to narrative health coaching, because there is a certain underlying love and, and attention and, and attunement in what we practice. So, yeah. So with that, you know, I think it's about time, unless you want to bring something else to the table here to bring this to a close. So you've been listening to the future of health coaching. Um, I'm Reggie Mara. I've been speaking with, with my partner and colleague, Dr. Joel Kreisberg, about narrative health coaching. Joel, as always, it's a pleasure to engage, and um, I look forward to the next time. Thank you, Reggie. This is a, a wonderful conversation. All right. Bye-bye.